Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. I want us to read the book of Hebrews together. Because as we were getting ready, the Lord reminded me that we only are able to press into a heaven that we can see. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Let me tell you something. There are two things, in fact three, about heaven that are very critical. One of the things about heaven is, first of all, heaven has to be in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yes. It has to be in your mouth. You have to make professions of heaven. You have to speak the kingdom. The Bible says that the kingdom is at hand. And then the progression from being at hand was what? That the kingdom of God is near you. So at first it was at hand. Now it was closer to you. Closer than the hand. It's closer, as close as the arm. And then after that, where did it go? The Bible says it is now in your mouth. So you have to speak heaven. Let me remove this thing because I think that's what's making it a bit more exciting than it really is. Yeah, there you go. So, (laughs) the thing is, that's thing number one. What is thing number two? Thing number two, and you know what? Let me just quickly share this with you. Okay, maybe we can sit down. And then we'll stand up later. Because I'm so committed to having us stand up today. But here is the deal. Sister Gina, good to see you. Oh yeah, God is good. Uh, no, because I didn't see you until we were getting started, so I just wanted to say hello. Nicodemus came to Jesus when? Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Let me show you something. Why don't you go very quickly to John chapter 3. We're going to go here, we're going to go there, but ultimately we will be there. So let's go to Genesis. I mean, sorry, John. Sometimes John can be Genesis, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because they both started with in the beginning. Yeah. We ran, a, we, we ran across a video a while ago of a man who could not say beginning. You know, just like some people can't say the word silver. They would say sliver. You know, so this man could not say beginning. He could only say beningen. And so since then, anytime I'm reading the book of Genesis or John and I see the word beningen, it makes me, I first of all, close the Bible, laugh for like five minutes and come back to the thing. Because... Yeah, I'm telling you, once you've heard that, you can't unhear it. The next time someone says, so what time is that thing beginning? What you will hear is beningen. So in the beningen, so talk. say that again. Baby talk. Baby talk. Well, yeah, I mean, my son, when he was 18 months old, yeah. he, he can say beginning. He said, <laughs> Sister Gina, you just ruined it. <laughs> Oh yeah, but baby talk is good because out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, the Lord has ordained strength. Let me tell you something. All we need is the presence of God because when we have the presence of God, every joke is funny because people are already half drunk in the spirit. Yeah, so you can just say your name and everyone is laughing. <laughs> Holy Ghost, Father, I thank you. Because the entrance of your word brings light and understanding unto the simple. 
the Bible says, <coughs> my wife reminded me just now. <laughs> we can't keep doing this. <laughs> Look, the Beningen is bad enough. When our little girl Ariel was like maybe three years old, she was in preschool and my wife asked, what did you all learn at school today? She was like, oh, we learned about, you know, the, I mean, ex-former presidents. And my wife was like, like who? She was like, like neighborhood Lincoln. And my wife was like, what? She says neighborhood Lincoln. And my wife was like, no, it's not neighborhood, it's Abraham. She was like, no, 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 no. It's neighborhood Lincoln. And that is interestingly how many believers are. They don't know what they're saying, but when you try to correct them, they're like, no, 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 no. It's neighborhood Lincoln. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. She was so serious because she was so right in her own eyes. Oh, yeah. What does mom know? Yeah. It's neighborhood Lincoln. Oh, yeah. So now, let, let me show you something um, that I find quite interesting. Do you know that... Um, Okay, I know that you all already know that all the things that were written in the scripture were written for you and I. And so nothing in scripture, in scripture should be far-fetched. In fact, as we were worshiping God, I saw myself going around and prophesying over people. And then Pastor Will just started to call people's names and he was giving them words of prophecy. And he was doing that and that is exciting. And you know what I saw while worship was on was you, Eli. I saw territories being given to you and the angels in a resounding voice of agreement. They said, yes, we know he would do them well. You see, the beauty of it is this. In the world to come, it is not the emperors of yesterday of yesteryears that will rule along with Jesus Christ. It is the babes and suckling. It is us, it is those of us who have been called the foolishness of this world. We are the ones that will confound the wise. We are the ones that we have been belittled, but who will ultimately become. And when we become, what will happen is we will behold his glory. And so I just want you to know that these things aren't far-fetched. I have seen in a vision wherein an entire continent-sized region of the new world was named after the Apostle Paul. And it was called Saul. Because he was no longer little in the next kingdom. It was desirable. <laughs> it's interesting. As soon as I saw the inscription saw, I knew it was the apostle Paul. I just knew in the spirit that that was who he was. Because you know that his name was Saul and then he became Paul. His name was Saul because Saul means desirable but Paul means little. Because when he saw the light on the way to Damascus, he felt very little in the light of God's love. He felt very little. He used to be very full of himself, but then he was now full of grace. But then in the world to come, the Lord exalts him. Because, you know, you will become, what? The exalted father. And so Saul, Paul became Saul again in the, new, in the, in the world that is to come, not by being pompous, but by being glorified in the Lord. And so I'm talking about a continent-sized piece of land, and it was named Saul, just written, and it was beautiful. It had lights all over it. Even the boundaries of that region was light in itself. And so when the Lord is showing you territories being given to you and angels cheering because they are in agreement that they have encountered you, while you were on this side with the little that was available to you, your heart was revealed to have been 
made of the faithfulness of God or forged out of the faithfulness of God. So I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you are doing of late that is getting the attention of heaven, keep doing it. Simply because the Bible says that the eye of the Lord runs to and fro upon the earth, seeking for that man whose mind is stayed on you. Josephine, I see you trying to blow out a smell. There is a smell around you that you don't like and you're trying to drive it off. And the Lord says, I'm sending my angels to drive out of your surrounding every foul wind, every wind that is not of God, every spirit that torments, every spirit that possesses. The angels of the Lord are on assignment to drive them out even before your very eyes. You know, that was what God says. God says, I will drive out the Philistines before you get there. Oh, there you go. Praise the Lord. So every bad wind goes out the window. Oh, yeah. And those are the powers of the new age. Not new age. Not chakras and co. I'm talking about the new world that is to come. You know, the, but, but you know, the beauty of it is that we can start to operate in it now. Because the Bible says that the powers of the world to come and the powers of this present age have been given to us who are heirs of salvation. And so I tell people, man, I don't have to wait till I get into that new world to begin to exercise. Simply because many people will spend the very first millennia or the first century of the next millennia trying to figure out what it means to be a believer. Like, man, so truly I have power. Wow. And they'll be like, I'll see you later. And then they go to tell somebody else, do you now know we have power? But then some of us would already have become fruitful simply because we have been anticipating what is to come. And so let me tell you something. Even though we would have new bodies, we're not going to be superhuman just yet. Because the whole idea of, of empowering us is so that we can truly have the original human experience. Right? Because remember that it is still a human experience on this side until this earth is completely wiped away and then we'll receive the new Jerusalem that is going to be a perfect cube. The Bible says it is four squares. The length, the breadth, and the height of that city is exactly the same. God is showing us the beauty of his creation. You know, by bringing us into a new world where we will be a pillar. The Bible says we will be the pillars of the new temple, of the temple that will be found in the new Jerusalem. And that new Jerusalem is the bride of the Son of God. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing that awaits us. And you know, for me, I'm already talking about the years beyond the thousand years. And someone is like, come on, man, slow down. Well, maybe you should pick up. Or maybe you should speed up. And because you know what's going to happen is, let me, let me give you an insight. The reason why I'm already thinking about what's beyond the thousand years is because I've recognized one principle, right? The further you have gone, right, with the Lord, the easier it is to advance in time. I can give you like four examples just very quickly. You see, the people that have gone far with God, people like Abraham, when they went far with God, when there was opposition around them, they didn't tremble because they're like no 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 i've already seen beyond today so whatever these people are doing today is only a waste of my time because i've seen tomorrow you understand what i mean and these enemies aren't there so they penetrate time with such precision simply because they have seen are there days wherein they've kind of like checking out a little bit and tell a little lie here and there like abraham did oh yes but those are days wherein they step out of who they are to who they were you know, and quite often we do that. Paul calls it the overflow of wickedness. We have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
But every now and again, some of us still step into the old person that we were. You understand what I mean? And we live in that old flesh for a little bit and then come back. And that is the reason why you're so tired sometimes in your walk with God because you keep going to a place where there is no longer support. You understand what I mean? It's like for, for someone like my son who is very experimental, there are times when he would install operating systems on, on his computer that is no longer supported by Microsoft. And I'm like, even when Microsoft supported it, it was a pain. What are you doing running it when they don't have support for it? So he would spend hours sometimes just to fix a little problem. I'm like, no, just stay in the new. Stay in the new creation. Don't keep going back to the old creation. The old creation is so draining. You see what I mean? But what I was saying about those people is that once they have gone further with the Lord, no matter what life presents to them, it's usually a breeze. Simply because they are not pushing through life. The Lord is pulling them through life. You know, there's a difference. When you're trying to push your way through life and when the Lord is already is asking you to come to where you already are in Him. Anyway, let me not go that route because the other three examples you probably already know, they're very obvious ones. But then I said that we... I've come to a time wherein, or maybe I didn't say, I'm about to say, we have come to a time wherein we should start to think about heaven. We should start to think not just about heaven for the brief period that we're going to be there to receive our new bodies. We should also be thinking about the 1,000 year reign upon the earth. And like me, I'm already even pushing forth to that to, to experience what it will be like to be in that new Jerusalem that will have no sun, no moon, no stars because Jesus will be the light in the midst of her. You see, looking forward to those things just does something to you. It allows for you to continually be immune to the effects of the present times. You see what I mean? And that's why Paul says, let your attention be on things above and not on things beneath. It is not about being high-minded. To be high-minded is to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You know, to look at yourself and you just think, oh, man, I'm the man and these people, I don't know. That is being high-minded, right? But thinking of things above is not high-mindedness. In fact, it actually humbles you when you do it with the right heart. And so when you do that, what it allows for you to do or what it, what it does to you is it, 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 it makes you, um, you know, I like to give the example of first grade and fifth grade. When you're in fifth grade or when you're in first grade and you already know fifth grade math, imagine how fun it would be to go to school because there's nothing there that phases you. You know, they bring out the little simple arithmetic. You've already done several steps ahead. And so to you, it's a breeze because of where you have been. You understand what I mean? And that is the reason why projecting ahead has its advantages. And it's one of the exercises that believers should engage in continually. And today I'm going to tell you one more thing, which I wasn't even thinking about, but I know that it aligns with what's been on my heart to share, which is I'm going to tell you the things that your heart truly wants that you may not even be aware of. Because part of the things that your heart wants is that your heart is longing for that day. It's longing for the time wherein the fullness of what it was made to be by God is seen. But quite often, we are very occupied with the mundane. And we're trying to overcome the challenges of the belly. Most of what we do is all about feeding this belly. I was going to say little belly, but I'm like, it's no longer 2017, 2021. It ain't little no more. You see? But that's why Jesus was like, dude, he told his boys, he says, stop worrying about what you will eat or drink. He says, this is what is killing the Gentiles. 
He says, men, they worry about their belly, what they will eat, what they will drink. He says, food for the belly, belly for the food. And the Lord destroys both of them in hell. He said, but let your attention be on the kingdom of God. You see, so these recommendations are recommendations that we've been aware of. Just like when you buy a new car, they tell you that at some point you're going to service the car. But you don't service the car the day you buy it, not the six months after you bought it. Unless it's one of those cars made in south of Atlanta that you have to service before the end of the first six months. But if it's a genuine car, and I'm not calling anybody's name today, just because I decided to be nice. But when you have a good solid car for the first six months, you don't have to service it. You see what I mean? But then they already told you. So these exercises have already been told to us when we got saved. Because the moment we got saved, what God did was, so that you don't keep guessing what your life is about, he put within you eternity. The Bible says that eternity is engraved upon the hearts of men. So that you are without excuse. So that you don't become a Christian and after two years you're like, oh, wait a minute, I didn't even read the fine prints, maybe... Am I sure God didn't scam me in some way or the other? God is like, look, everything is in front of you. Just like when you buy a house, they give you all the stuff. But how many of you read it? Yes, that's what I thought. Because um, even the, the most reading readers, they don't read all of those contracts. In fact, uh, somebody once said, oh, she read everything. And then I asked her a question and she was like, where's that from? I said, from the document. She was like, is he really there? I said, I haven't read it too, but I know it should be there. <laughs> because at the end of the day, that's what we do. We think we're reading, whereas we're not, you know? And people who know me, they know my position about reading. It is good to study, right? If your focus is not on studying, if your focus is just on reading, it's actually counterproductive. Many people say they're studying the Bible, but what they're doing is they're reading it. Don't just read it. You study it. There's not a place in the word of God where it is recommended for you to just read scriptures. The Bible says study, meditate. And you know what Solomon said in all of his wisdom? He wrote more books than most people before him. And you know one of the things that Solomon said, you know that there are books that have now been found that were written that focus on zoology and botany that were written by King Solomon. So Solomon was into all of those things, into astrology, into, into, into animals, into flowers. In fact, he, he, he wrote books about flowers, just specifically about flowers. And so when you have somebody like that who has written books tell you something about reading, you should listen. What did Solomon say about reading? Solomon says that much reading wearies the soul. He says, unto the writing of books, there is no end. He wrote and wrote and wrote, and there was still more to write. Look at um, Adrienne. She's written four books, but there is still more books to write. You don't just say, well, I've written four books, now Jesus can come. I have finished the work. You know Jesus will tell you which work. You haven't even started, only four. You know what I mean? And so to the writing of books, there is no end. But much reading is wearisome to the soul. That's for somebody, I, that's, I wasn't going to lecture you on reading today, but I just thought I'd mention that. You know, that we don't just read things, we study already but where i was going with that ultimately is that when we get saved eternity is written into our hearts we are with that excuse the things of god have been revealed to us and so what do we do the bible says even the hidden treasures of secret places have been committed to us yea the ordinances of god and so these things have been given to us now but what is the point of telling me all the things that i would do if i don't know when i get to do them Right? 
back in the day, you'd have to have a little book. We used to call it, I think we used to call it the yellow book, that you keep a record of all the things that, you're, that you've done on your car or in your car or to your car so that you would know when next you need to do more. But now our, phone, our cars just tell us, oh, I need this, I need that. Or they tell the dealership and the dealership starts hounding you. Um, so, uh, so that's what we do now. But the same thing applies in the realm of the spirit. I just told us about three or four things that we need to do. And this is the time for us to do those things. Let me remind you in case you weren't totally following. I told you that it is time for you to put your attention on things above and not on things beneath. That it is time for you to let heaven be in your conversation. That it is time for you to recognize that you cannot get into a heaven that you have not seen. A heaven that you have not beheld. And that's why you need to continue to see yourself in it. And that's, that's what brought up the story of Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. So when you hear by night, what does that mean? It means right now. Because the night has come. Because darkness has covered the earth and gross darkness, the people. So this is the night time. We are at night. And so at night, what do we do? We do what Nicodemus did at night. Because Nicodemus was not just a random guy in the story of Jesus. Nicodemus was a representation of you and I before we became the new creation. Right? Because before we became a new creation, we were given dominion. And who are the ones that have dominion? The ones who are conquerors. When you conquer a place, you get dominion. So this becomes your domain. That's why they call it the kingdom. The domain of the king because the king has conquered. Right? But because we conquered by God giving us dominion. So let me explain this. If you're born to the king of England, just like the queen of England, the queen Elizabeth II was born to the king of England. What did she conquer? Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. She, she didn't have to. Because the ones before her conquered. And they have the dominion. And they gave the dominion to her. So being a conqueror is equal to being a king. And so if you are already a king, then you are a conqueror. Because you have dominion. Does it make sense? Because for a very long time, we didn't know that we were Nico. Because we were like, we didn't conquer nothing. We fell in the Garden of Eden. You can't call that conquering. But God says, no, 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 no. Being a conqueror is equal to having dominion. And that was what I gave you all in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says God gave man the dominion. So basically God made man from the dust of the earth and crowned him and says, behold, the conqueror. And that is the reason why the fallen angels and the rest of them, even some who weren't fallen were like, seriously though? He didn't even do anything. Like the guy woke up one day and he was king. That was why the serpent was so sure he wasn't going to be king for long because he doesn't even know the value of the throne. He doesn't know. It's like, man, really? Just out of the dust? And then you become the conqueror? Right? And so this is what happens when you see the word conqueror. It's talking about you before you became the new creation in Christ Jesus. Because the moment you become the new creation in Christ Jesus, what do you become? You become a super conqueror. That's what the Bible calls you. The Bible says you are a more than a conqueror. The word more there is the word supra, which means it's a superlative. It puts you in another dimension of conquering. 
You see what I mean? And so, I will become the more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are the new creation. But our more than conqueror identity is saved as a portfolio for the millennial reign. Let me say that again very slowly. Because I was one of those people that was beyond frustrated for many years because I wasn't seeing the fullness of the more than the conqueror capacity. If I was just a conqueror, I get it. Because the domain's been wrested from me. Right? And until the enemy that wrested it from me himself is arrested, there is no room for me to be rested. Can I say all of that again? Because it all, everything sounded the same. The first rest is the W-R-E-S-T, where someone takes something from you forcefully. Right? So the dominion was wrested from us, but until the one who rested it is arrested himself, you cannot be fully rested. And that is the reason why in the year of rest, the seventh day, the seventh millennia that we're about to press into, which is the millennial reign, wherein God rested, for you to be able to rest it, God has to first of all arrest Satan. And that's why the Bible says that the serpent, that uh, all of his names, the dragon, the serpent of old, the devil that is also called Satan, will be what? Arrested and locked up for a thousand years, otherwise... There's no rest for you. You understand what I mean? And so, while you are yet a conqueror who's lost the domain, that name conqueror is now no longer effective or functional. It is just a title. Nicodemus was called a conqueror, but he couldn't come out in the daytime because he was afraid. And that is how most of us are before we give our lives to Christ, even though we were the ones that God gave dominion to. When you're walking and your neighbor's dog begins to bark, then you begin to pee in your pants because you're so afraid. Whereas, having been named by God a conqueror, it was the plan of God that even the beast of the field will be at peace with you. You know, the Bible says that God has done it in such a way that he has made a covenant when you were still sleeping in the dust of the earth. God made a covenant between you and the stones of the field. The Bible says he cut a covenant on your behalf with the stones of the field that you would not dash your foot against a stone. And on top of that, because he knows that sometimes we can be silly, he still gave his angels charge over us. And on top of that, he says even the animals will be at peace with you. So all of all those things God did for us, but still... We can't come out in the day because we don't know. Because we're afraid. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night as the conqueror. What do we do at night? Did I mention that the name Nico means conqueror? Okay, maybe, maybe I didn't mention it, but the word Nicodemus, that name means conqueror. And someone is like, Pastor Moses, does every name in the Bible have to mean something? Because it's almost like, wow. Every name, when you say the meaning of the name, it's like, oh, okay, it means something. I can have an expectation of the person. The answer is very simple. The answer is yes. Because God is so strategic when he's naming people. And sometimes when it's not even God naming people, but God has plans for that person, God will intervene while they're naming them. Because it's like, if I don't show up and do something, they're going to give that person a name that does not represent the destiny that I've written in my books. (laughs) remember Moses would have been given a name by his family and they were Jews and nobody called Moses before that time 
You understand what I mean? I was reading the thesis of a gentleman. Uh, there was this Nigerian gentleman, a professor of, um, of anthropology recently, about a couple of weeks ago. Specifically, I think about 21 days ago. I was studying some of his work. And what he said was this. He said, I want to argue and debate with any Jewish scholar that the name Moshe is actually not Jewish. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to debate because the Bible says that he was named by the princess of Egypt. She was named by Pharaoh's sister because left to his parents. And you know what's interesting is the parents didn't name him because even though they believed God, they weren't too sure that he was going to make it. And what's the point? You name it, then you have an attachment to it. And then he doesn't make it through the river, then you have to sorrow for longer. You see, so I demand as well. And how do I know that? I knew that from the life of Job because when Job was going through a lot of sorrow, the recommendations that were made was for him to curse the day that he was died, he was born, so that if he can deny the day that he was born, then there will be no remembrance of him nor of his pain. And so, anyway, maybe that's not for this meeting, but let's carry on. <laughs> God will intervene so that your name is right. Like on Sunday, was it Sunday that I told you about the name John? John would have been called Elijah by Zechariah, the Bible scholar, right? But God intervened through the ministry of Angel Gabriel to say, tell him, and if he's not listening, just seal his mouth. He can't ruin this. We have a lot that is put into this stuff right here, okay? And so here is the deal. Names are very important. That is the reason why God will choose a name and make sure that that name is, is well enforced because it has to do with the destiny. And so when you're studying the Bible, Armed with this understanding, you begin to understand better the things that are going on in the Bible. Sometimes it's just as when you say the Bible is boring, it's because you are not studying, you're only reading. I remember there was this pastor that we had a while back, my wife and I. The pastor would recommend for people to read Second Chronicles if they can't sleep. Right? It's like, oh, if you can't sleep, just read Second Chronicles. He'll put you to sleep. If you're reading Second Chronicles, it will put you to sleep. But if you attempt to study Second Chronicles, your eyes will be like this till daybreak. Because there are some boys in Second Chronicles. Let me tell you something about First Kings, Second Kings, First Samuel. Actually, like, let's even skip the Samuels. The Samuels are a little bit straightforward. But Kings and Chronicles. When you study Kings and Chronicles and you see the names of those kings then you see the plan of God for humanity and all of the failed attempts that we made at ruining God's plan for salvation. It is written in the names of those boys and girls because these are the days of the Me Too movement. Anyway, yes, ma'am. Hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was part of the thesis, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And, um, yeah, and, you know, because of the fact that uh, when they saw that it was more, the, the representation of Tutmosis or Tutmoshe was more of, of, of an Egyptian prince and it wouldn't fit the mold of, the mold of, of a Jewish um, rebel. Um, but then at the end of the day, see, I've, I've looked into those things back and forth, but the reason why I referenced this guy's work was because of the fact that he was actually saying that name was not in any of the books of the chronicles of the Jews up until that time. So it was a name that was specifically orchestrated by God 
to carry that destiny simply because he was supposed to be a model of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he could have been given Yeshua, which was the name of his successor. And the reason why he wasn't given Yeshua was because God already knew that he was only going to take them out. He wasn't going to get them in. And that's why his name was called Moshe, which means taken out or drawn out. He did his work. He drew them out. There was no part of his contract that said that he needed to deliver them into the promised land. And so when many people think that his work was aborted and it looks like he failed. No, 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 no. That was God's plan from the onset. You understand what I mean? Because God loves him so much, he didn't want him to enter eternity very cocky. Because before, he did what he did at the mount, I mean, at, uh, when he struck the rock, rather than speak to the rock, God had looked at him and he said in the presence of the host of heaven, he says, behold the meekest man on the face of the earth. And guess who wrote that? Moses himself. It's like, man, I'm the most humble man on earth and I know it. Yeah. It's like he was singing, I'm humble and I know it. Now, you can't get that out of your head now. Oh, yeah. God bless you guys. So, yeah, I know why. Yeah. <laughs> it, had to be, it had to be memorable. <laughs> and so, go, <laughs> going back to Nico, Nico came to Jesus at night, and his name meant Tankra. And he came to Jesus at night, and what was in his mouth? Let's read John chapter 3. Actually, let me just read it here. And if you want to even enjoy it better, you'll read it in the New King James Bible. Yes. Y'all be praying for me tonight. Okay, so John chapter 3. And this is what it says. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs, these signs that you do, unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you. Now, let me say this, and we're not going to dwell on it, because I, I don't want you to just think that I'm assuming that he had heaven in his conversation. But he does. Because he says nobody does these signs. Signs by the ordinances or by the, by, this, um, by the curriculum of the Pharisees is associated with heaven. So sometimes the word signs is used interchangeably with the word heaven because God said the heavens display the signs and the times, right? And so this man was talking about the signs that you do because they do not believe totally in what they see terrestrially unless it is validated celestially I haven't thought on that subject but I'm going to mention something because I know some of you will want to look into it you see when Herod was told that a prince had been born that a king had been born Herod was not as bothered as much if all he was told had to do with rumors that were spreading on the ground right remember that this guy was a king if he bothers himself with every little bit of rumor like the Bible says that a ruler that pays attention to the rumors about his servants will have no sleep. Right? So he doesn't pay attention to all of those things. What does he pay attention to? He pays attention to what is displayed in the heavens. So when they said that the people who said so were magi from the east who had traveled all that way because of what they had seen and they said to him, 
behold, the star leads us on. So basically, the guy was like, okay, so this is no gimmickry. This is a serious business because the star is in the heavens. So this guy being a Pharisee, when he came to Jesus about the signs that Jesus was doing, he wasn't just talking about the lame and the blind and the deaf. He was talking about the fact that they were monitoring the star system and they could still see the king constellation. And they knew that, okay, this, this, there is something about this guy for real. And coming at night made it very clear that, look, what I am saying, we can validate it. We just need to look up. You are the man. And that was why he says there's no one like you. Because other people who came before, the heavens did not back them up. They did the works. They were magicians. But you, the signs are test. Praise the Lord. Someone's phone is excited because that is good stuff. <laughs> so anyway, let's just continue. I just thought I'd mention that. Because as soon as I said it, Alan went from leaning on his wife's shoulder. He leaned this way like, okay, come on now. Keep going. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you fester on that one for a little bit. And so when he said, because the Bible says that without witnesses, without signs and wonders, signs, wonders, they will not believe science up there wonders down here and that was how we believed that truly he was the man and he says there was no one like you so let me tell you something this is how you study the bible wherein you can just you can stay on those two verses for like the entire season of housewives of atlanta <laughs> like the whole season you're just reading and meditating on these two verses did I say it right? Oh, I have a joke that's been pending for a while. <laughs> How, what is the acronym for Real Housewives of Atlanta? It is R-H, Real Housewives of Atlanta. So it's R-H-W-O-A. It sounds like Roa. And so my wife sent a message to somebody here. I'm not going to call her out just yet. Something to do with the real housewives of Atlanta. And she didn't want to type the whole thing. She just put Roa. And the person was like, is that one of the names of God? <laughs> like Jehovah Roa? When I heard, I was like, wow, she's about to get married. Maybe we can give her a present. Oh, 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 oh. oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. Please, please pray for me. I may have said a bit too much on that one. Because I was just saying this person has a special event coming. <laughs> Maybe we'll give them like a, a, a little thing that says Jehovah Roah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good thing not to know. Oh yeah, I would, I would rather be ignorant in the things of the world and be schooled. In the things of God. Like I remember one day somebody was like asking me if I listen to the Beatles. I'm like, wow, the crickets are worse enough. I mean, they're bad enough. I don't want to listen to the Beatles. And it was like, no, these are not the insects, like the band. I'm like, oh. I've told you this full story before, so you know what I mean. Look, people have accused me of living or maybe people who say, man, you must have grown up under a rock somewhere. I said, no, not a rock, the rock. 
Let's not even get it twisted. The real rock. Yeah. Okay, so hopefully we'll finish this Nico story today. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Now, let's just make, let's make this thing as deep as possible since we're already there. When Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, or most assuredly, I say unto you, is taking you beyond the heavens to let you know what heaven says on the matter. Because remember that there are two that bear witness on the earth. There are three that bear witness in heaven. But the Bible says that even though we say there are two that bear witness upon the earth, yea, they are three. Only that two of them bear witness as one. Right? And so there are times when, when you see that the people on earth have come to a conclusion that they know a thing. Jesus takes it to another level for them to let them know what heaven says on the matter. Right? And so when you're studying some of the discussions that Jesus had with people, that is usually the angle that Jesus comes from. Remember the Sadducees when they came to Jesus and they were asking about reincarnation, asking about life after death. They said the things that they knew from this dimension with witnesses to back them up because the Pharisees bore witness in silence by not contesting what the Sadducees were saying, even though they were arch enemies. But Jesus took what they were saying and gave them a third dimension. And the dimension they gave to them was the dimension of heaven, letting them know the position of angels relative to what they were saying. I let you, I say all of that because I want you to take that with you if you, don't, if you didn't know it before today and begin to apply that to the conversations that Jesus had with people. Because Jesus walked around on the earth with a consciousness that no one had come from heaven the way that he came. And so that was humanity's opportunity to get a perspective that they had never seen. And so every conversation, and that was why he would say to someone, somebody who was just being smart, and he would say, no, no, that's wisdom. Because from heaven's standpoint, resilience is, is wisdom. And that is the wisdom that is sometimes called faith. Okay, anyway, maybe I repent from going that deep because I said, let's go deep. And then really went quiet. God is good. So Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Because Jesus said, you must be born again. Otherwise, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can one be born again when he is old? And he entered a second time into his mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what are those three things? You need to speak. They have to be. You need to speak heaven. To speak heaven. To speak the signs. You need to have looked up. To behold. And when you behold. What do you do? You say the thing. So you say what you see. And Jesus is saying yes. When you say it. And you see it. Then you can enter it. But many of us today. We are too occupied with the mundane that we are not even looking to see heaven. We're not looking to see what the Lord is doing in the midst of all of what is happening. Because what is happening is not what the Lord is doing, but what the Lord has done is the reason why things are happening. Let me give you a very simple example. What was happening the day Jesus was crucified was a criminal was being killed. Everybody else in town thought, yeah, finally, he's a scammer. And now they got him. 
Because prophecy says that he was numbered or that he would be numbered with what? With the transgressors. And so the word on the street was that one of those criminals who's been scamming people and getting people to follow him has now been taken. So to the natural man who is not looking at the signs, what was going on? The happening was a criminal was being punished. But that was what God was doing. Right? What was God doing? God was saving the world. And so I put it to you that a lot of what is going on in the world today, if heaven is not in your conversation, you will begin to see from the perspective of the world. Simply because the way Jesus brings heaven's perspective by saying with a guarantee most assuredly, Satan through his false prophets and teachers also want to give you the perspective of hell when you observe what is going on. Can I say that again? Did you all get it? Okay, let me say that again. You see, the reason why Jesus said to him, most assuredly, you know, this is not the only time Jesus said that. Remember when Nathaniel was told that they had found the Christ, right? He was a Jew, and they said they had found the Christ, I mean, the Messiah. He was really excited. And he came, and Jesus said to him, Oh, uh, well, before they, they called you from the terebinth tree where you were chilling, I saw you. Ah, he was like, my Lord, my Lord, the Prince of Israel. He worshipped before. And Jesus was like, what have you seen? Because I said, I saw you under the tree. You, you, that is enough for you? What did he say after that? He says, most assuredly, I say to you that you will see angels ascend and descend upon the Son of Man. Let me tell you something. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. The moment you see Jesus' strategy for holding conversations with people, Jesus literally brought heaven to every conversation. The poor guy was talking about the fact that, man, I'm tripping. You saw me while I was under the tree. Everything that the guy was getting tripped about was terrestrial. It was happening two-dimensionally on the ground. But Jesus never stayed on the ground. He always connected them back to heaven. He says, is that what is making you excited? He said, what about if you saw the angels ascending and descending? And he told them, he says, the ladder. He says, you will see the heavens open. So he's not just talking about the ladder that is leaning on the temple somewhere. He says, no, the heavens will be open. You will see the heavens open. And so I just remember that because... We're talking about the fact that Nico's conversation with the Lord Jesus was transformational because Jesus brought heaven into the conversation. And that was why Daniel says in the last days when men say there's a casting down, you go right, or, go right ahead and say there is a lifting up. What are you looking at? Oh, if I was standing on something. Oh, I received that in Jesus' name. It's one of the things I've always desired. Come on. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh yeah, come on. Amen. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. I received that. I don't joke with things like that. I'm telling you, I do not. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you something, what that really means to me. I'll tell you. Earlier today, I was sharing a testimony with a pastor friend of mine. If I'm my brother, in fact. 
And I was sharing and I said there was a day that an angel of the Lord was here. I was standing here. I was ministering to people. That was back when the walls were white. I was ministering to people and there was this angel of the Lord. He came from right about there and he walked here. And Andrea was standing here. And I asked everybody, I said, did you all see that? Because it was so apparent to me that an angel just passed by. And everybody was going to little. But then this woman of God had the discernment. But even before she could be in her discernment, she was already in the spirit. And she was slain in the spirit. And the rest of that night, she was prophesying and speaking the mind of God with express clarity. I just shared that testimony with him today, my brother. And you know what he said to me? He said to me, he says, we are, we are in that season. I said, yeah, we are in that season. Because what did I say in 2020? In 2020, I said to us that the heavens were what? Open. And after I said the heavens were open, what, what did I say after that? After a while, I said that I found myself in a tent. I was brought into a tent. And the tent had tables that were set for people to have dinner. And the table went as far as my eyes could see. And I knew that there were the angels of God who were sitting down ready to have dinner. And remember that I said to you that I, I was happy for them, but I was a bit concerned. Because I knew there was war outside. So I approached the one who was closest to the door. He might have been the one who brought me in. And I said, well, excuse me, y'all are aware that there is a battle going on? And he smiled and was like, come sit down. And when I sat down, he enlightened me. And he said to me that they were here to fulfill all righteousness. He said, because the battle's already won. Yeah. Right? Praise the Lord. I shared the details of that vision. It, was, it, wasn't kind of, it wasn't even like a vision. You know, a vision is something that you see. This one, I was there. The, the, the what's it called? When you're wearing a, a garment, the threading of the garment was alive. That's, it was, it was, it, the, the thread on their garment was alive. It moved with a life of its own. So not only were they seated and moving, just by sitting down, there was life around them. And they were little, it was almost like fairies. I've never seen a fairy, but what I saw there, the closest thing that I can use to describe it was like fairies lit up the tent that they were in and this light itself was alive because it moved around. I was there, literally, I can tell you what the air in that place tasted like. It was almost like it, it had dew in it, like little, little water droplets was in it. It was life everywhere you turn in that tent. And that was shortly after the Lord first of all showed me that the heavens were open. So when the heavens opened, the angels come down. Thank you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house. That's www.communion.house. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.